0: what's on the plate today
1: well there is this interesting i guess mix of match three and leaderboards and pvp and that's match masters a game
0: you <laughs> so are very
1: excited to talk about this game i think yeah like uh,
0: i'll elaborate my excitement uh, as we speak yeah but uh it's it's a great uh it's a great game and uh, I think there is a lot to learn from this, uh, from the execution of this game and the decisions that have been taken uh, for this game.
1: Yeah, I think it's a very fresh concept. Like it's a little out of the box in its core as well as meta as well as everything as the game comes out to be. So I think that's why it just feels exciting to talk about it because we both feel like maybe it's outside of our kind of expertise and, like, what kind of insights can we then get from this game and the way it functions? For me, at least, like, on the big picture, if you ask me what the pitch for this game is, for me, it's, like, imagine the meta of Clash Royale meets the core gameplay of Candy Crush. And it's, like, okay, this, it's a match-three game, but with, like, PvP at its core, social at its core, collection uh, at its core, and uh, maybe that's a really good pitch, uh, simply because... We know how well competition systems motivate spenders, especially in games, even in simulation games or any other genre. The competition systems seem to be like, you know, one of the most evergreen systems to integrate and taking such a wide genre and just deep diving into only the competition pillar does seem to be like a very interesting take uh, for the product. Yeah,
0: it's also a very brave decision to take. Mm-hmm. Right, Match 3 games, and, and I'll give a couple of reasons for that. Match 3 games are typically targeted to a more casual audience. Uh, and this casual audience is typically, you know, female, 25 to 45 age group.
1: Yeah.
0: One of the reasons why this target audience plays Match 3 games is because they find this gameplay relaxing. Yeah. Right? That's that's the word I come across come across the most. Right? Mm. They want to relax and that's why they play match three. Now the moment you put PvP into it, this flips the entire equation. So now the mo- like the moment you put PvP into it, the target audience now is no longer just this, right? Then like, you get a lot of you get a younger audience and you get a male audience, right? and this audience likes a fast paced thrilling sort of an experience but you are trying to create that experience using match 3 which at least till now at least before this has been has been played because it's a relaxing game right so i think it's a it's a brave decision that they do to make a match 3 game and uh, make a pvp uh, game out of match 3 and uh, not just that, they have stuck on. I believe Matchmasters has been there since 2018, if I'm not wrong. And they have stuck on for three years. And that that itself is. They, they, they seem to get that faith from somewhere that this is going to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and, and I think it was very brave for, of them to do and uh, good for them.
1: I wanted to talk a little bit about this relaxing keyword and like one of the things that really surprised me was that you know like say poker is also social at its core like when you play poker Mm -hmm. games on your phone you're mostly competing against others you're making bets and you know I would think of it as a highly stressful environment uh, simply because when I played poker (laughs) drinking with friends I found it very stressful And when even we made, like, a very simple, like, okay, let's just have a little bit of a buy-in before we play the next game, I can tell you that my stress levels increased, like, 200% more. Um, But it's always surprising to hear from poker players, for example, that they play poker on their phone to relax, you know? And then I feel like this this word relaxation is really, like, this keyword is kind of, like, misleading in a way that, you know, even if you play Candy Crush or uh, the other Match 3 games to relax, the most engaged players are the engaged players who are trying to be topping the leaderboards, trying to be, like, you know, at the end of content leaderboards, uh, being on top as a team every week. And it still ends up being, like, this relaxing thing that they do. Like, these are players who are, like, you know, your top 10 percentile who are definitely playing more levels than, (laughs) like, maybe whatever, like, what is it? Maybe 10x more levels than the other players? But they also play it at the end of the day to relax. So... Uh, It's just like a little... I do get what you're saying, that the competition definitely takes away from the relaxation. Uh, I think the time limit definitely takes away from the relaxation. Like, if if you play a casual game of Pictionary at home with your friends, again, you know, you're drinking and you're just playing a fun round of Pictionary. If you start the second game with, like, a timer instead of, like, not having a timer, you can see how stressful immediately it becomes. So I feel like there's definitely... Like, non-relaxation in a time-limited game. But I think, like, the competition bringing relaxation is also a thing.
0: Yeah, okay. like, I, I get you. Uh, I, I I get where you're coming from. And if you extend this logic even to sports, right? Uh, mm-hmm. if, if, you have, yeah. if you have played, like, I don't know, like, let's say you like running or, like, I, I like to play tennis, right? Mm-hmm. It's a competitive sport. But... When you are locked in a, a rally, right? That's really relaxing and high exciting at the same time. I think it's it goes back to the uh, logic of flow. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, European, <laughs> I think we are just defining what that logic of flow is. Yeah. And uh, but but um, but this is
1: I've never ever heard this, but now I feel a little strongly about equating flow to relaxation. Do you think that, you know, if you're playing a game for an hour and if you were in flow for 10 minutes while you're in your session versus if you play a game for an hour and you were in flow for, you know, 50 minutes out of that one hour, do you think that you would relax better in the second game because you were in flow versus the first game?
0: Again, this is just my perspective, but the sense of flow means a lot when it is not common. You get used to that flow, right? Then that, That becomes the normal. Then you start getting bored. And then you need a new norm. So normal keeps shifting. Yeah. We are very good at getting used to things. So so to get that high from flow, it should not be common. But again, like the it's it's a
1: yeah, yeah, I I I don't mean about how easy is it to get flow. All I'm saying is like, do you think flow equates to relaxation? Is my question.
0: A part of it. It's yeah, it's 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 super subjective. This it's super subjective. But yeah, uh, but I think uh, uh, the point here for matchmasters is that it definitely does get flow right. Yeah, I mean, just for those who um, um, are listening, flow is basically an let's say it's a yeah, it's a graph with uh, with the x axis being skill and the y axis being frustration, and and the logic goes that if you are uh, if you are given a gameplay, if you are given a game where your skill is high. But the opponent is not as good as you. You will be you will be bored.
1: Basically, like it's the balance of like the challenge and skill. And mm-hmm. if this challenge and skill are balanced well, you are in a state of flow. Like imagine when you are playing a game and the world around you disappears and you, the fingers and your device and everything and you are like you can see each moment that's playing out. And it's almost like uh, second nature, uh, the decisions that you're making. So you're in the state of flow, but when, so for example, if the challenge is really high, but you do not have the skill to meet it, like say I am really bad at tennis and I challenge you to a match and we go to the court uh, and I find it really challenging to just like, you know, (laughs) hit the balls that you're serving my side, I will find it frustrating. So here in this case, my skill is low and the challenge is really high. Uh, The other part for you also is that I am really poorly skilled and you are really highly skilled. So for you, the challenge is really low. And you would feel like bored that, you know, hey, with such a high skill and the challenge being low, I feel bored. So that that's what flow would be that maybe if you could clone you and you are playing yourself, that could be in a state of flow. You're equally skilled and so they're equally challenged against each other.
0: Let's deep dive into how it gets in, right? Yeah. Right, Like how, how does it get players into this state of flow? And I always like to use this, look at a game through this trifecta of uh, stats, skill, and luck, Yeah. right? And Matchmasters uses all these three elements the best way that it can in a, you know, in the genre that it is in. So what's stats, skill and luck, right? Uh, Matchmasters is all about the booster that you select before going into a game. and Um, There's a range of boosters that you select, and you unlock boosters as you progress through the game. Uh, But there is a cost to every booster, and the boosters which cost high are are also a little bit more powerful than the boosters which don't cost as much. Mm. And that definitely gives you a stat advantage. Mm. There is definitely a skill, so you take that booster and and start a match, and you are, uh, you know, against an opponent match three as a game does have a lot of luck to it you don't know what uh, what is the next what is the next piece which is going to fall down so as a mechanic it it heavily heavily relies on luck mm. and when it's your turn if you get a favorable colored piece then there's nothing like it uh, you can make my combos and like it's a great high but even though there is an element of stat and there's an element of luck Match 3 is also about your skill because at any point in time there will be multiple matches available on the board and it is your job to select the right match to give you the most number of points and being able to predict you know two or three moves ahead so it's a beautiful combination of all of these three.
1: Yeah like of course this would have been prototype and play tested but I like you know decisions like giving each player turn two decisions like two moves to make makes a lot of sense because you can decide in one move to make a booster and in the second move to use it so it makes sense like instead of swapping for example every turn uh, I think that's an interesting choice I think the free use of one shuffle and one hammer adds to that choice I think the way you kind of power up your booster again adds to that choice do you want to power up your own booster do you want to take away elements from the board so that the opponent can't power them up so it adds a lot of skill to the, the match three gameplay making in-game boosters gives you an extra move also adds to it and having an overall timer for your turn i think is the the stressful part
0: yeah and if you are able to think fast i think that also falls under the territory of skill If you, if you how how quickly can you think of the best move possible yeah that, that that aspect also adds to how good you are at the game yeah yeah and it's a good combination of these three factors really helps you to you know uh, really helps to keep you in that flow zone uh, you don't know like, like there are there are these moments where uh, you know you are just about to lose and this is this is an important aspect in any match they right the, the the just win the yeah. Just win feeling like you have five moves left, and then somehow you just win. You like you had no chance of winning, and then voila, you 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 some something magical happened, and you won. You know, the collection of boosters, um, the mechanics, and the entire nature of the game makes it possible for such moments to exist. There is always a chance for you to win, even if you, you know, even if you. Uh, weren't getting enough points in the beginning, you can still pull a rabbit out of your hat. Yeah, that adds a lot to the game.
1: Yeah, I think uh, when Clash Royale came out first and it kind of took the world by storm, if we kind of just like look at the emotions that a two-minute match goes through, like the surprise way of like challenge, you're scared, you're brave, you're excited, happy, sad. Like, there's, like, a range of emotions that you go through in a two-minute match. And I think I feel at a much lesser pace happens in Masters, And I say lesser pace because it's a more turn-based game that, you know, there are four rounds and two choices each. But I do feel that, you know, every round takes you through these highs and lows of, like, excitement that you made some matches and you're ready to get your booster. Like, sometimes scared that, oh, the opponents are all charged up. What's going to happen? They have more points than you. Uh, And you do feel these kind of emotions through a match. And at the end of the day, if you're ready to play another match because you feel you can do better, you can have a go at it again and you feel like the game is fair or like you blame yourself that, hey, I can do better. I just want to play another match. I think then you achieve it, whether, you know, like whether it's like a linear game or it's Clash Royale or it's Matchmasters.
0: Yeah. Speaking about... uh... You know, the linearity of it all. One important aspect in Mastery games are the, you know, the mechanics that you encounter as you mm. keep on playing levels. Mm. Right? You you have, maybe you have a belt and then maybe you have some frog and whatever, like the, uh, a Mastery game relies on keeping you interested by introducing new things at a constant pace so yeah. that you feel like you're uh, solving a different puzzle. But since this game is not about solving a puzzle, I think they don't need to invest, matchmasters don't need to invest as much in creating these individual levels that a mastery game would ideally have. Yeah. And I think that's another beauty of this uh, game from a purely production standpoint. Obviously, I think they have other things to worry about, like making a PvP game itself is not is not easy. I'm sure they have other things to worry about, but at least from the point of view of uh, making match-three levels. If any of you have uh, run match-three games, the battle is always about how many match-three levels should I create, right? Like, because your players are always going to consume levels faster than you can create. There will always be those players who, who will create levels faster than what you can create. I think this takes the load of, of the production pipeline. And I think that that's been uh, done very cleverly. However, variety is still important. And they bring this variety in through multiple things. In a PvP game, the first layer of variety is your opponent. And since you're playing against someone, some other human being, the way that they would play the game, another human being would play the game, would be different from your style. So there is a sense, there's a very subjective sense of variety there. Yeah, There is... A variety in the boosters that you take in yeah. which which changes how you approach the level they have also invested time in you know creating uh, new mechanics but these are extremely simple things they don't unlock very frequently yeah something extremely simple as uh, normally if, if 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 a piece would give you one point it now gives you three points so there are these three point pieces which you which you want to go after or there are these pieces stuck in ice. Hmm. So yeah, I think a combination of these three does give a sense of mechanic variety, and there is a, a, obviously a sense of visual variety through the through the different layouts. Uh, you also have a small avatar, uh, and uh, there there are, there are multiple avenues for visual variety. But these are the avenues that they have chosen for uh, mechanic variety, and which which does keep the game fresh for a while.
1: Yeah. I think what you talked about, like, you know, with the way that the game brings variety, like, for example, they don't need to create, like, thousands of levels. It's generally, like, the, the same board that you play as a, on a PP. It changes very little uh, as you go up the leagues. It's letting getting me to think a little bit of, like, you know, like, say, Empires and Puzzles, which is a very different game. It's a character collector RPG, which also has, you can argue, the same game board for the match 3. Because the match 3 is just like a means to an end. Uh, mm. And there they have to balance like the enemies versus the player cards. And there are progression curves on those. Let's me think about that where like most of the, for example, monetization in match masters is outside of the match 3, right? Like there is no plus 5 moves, for example. So you have to like monetize outside getting boosters, completing collections uh, and, uh, and things like that. Do you think there is some upside that Matchmasters has with, like, but you have to engage with the core. Like, you can't just say, like, as is in Empires and Puzzles, where you can autoplay the core. You know, complete your dailies, autoplay the core, and where, like, meta is where you spend most of your time, meta is where you spend most of your money. I think mm-hmm. this is an interesting case, and that's why I always, like, you know, somehow in my brain, it's kind of going closer to Clash Royale. Like, even in Clash Royale, you cannot autoplay your matches. Like, at the end of the day, you have to get involved in the core gameplay. Though like monetization everything is outside of that and i feel like that's an interesting thing that you know like hey come and play a match 3 game uh you know like what, what do you think about that
0: i think uh i don't think autoplay would work in any way work in any pvp game right like autoplay make makes sense only if it is a or at least i haven't encountered a, a pvp game with uh, autoplay so i think it goes without saying that you will have to engage with the core but what's what's it? I think what's interesting here is how do they make money <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> let's go tell when, us tell us karan how, how do they make money
0: <laughs> no I, that's the that's a question uh i too would like an answer for but we can only you know talk about it i believe most of their revenue does come from boosters from the boosters that you uh, select that you take in they have amplified the need to take in a good booster through the a streak mechanic that they have right and every every level is you are always on a streak and it's a simple streak of three and uh, you you obviously get a lot more points if you're on that streak and then that streak pushes you to keep on winning so -hmm. i think that's what i would say would be their larger monetizer at least in the early game for late game maybe their collection systems would start monetizing but even there,
1: I would I would still say that their larger monetizer would be the boos- taking boosters. Yeah, I think uh, the boosters can be equated to the plus five moves uh, monetization in a way that you cannot play the game without them. Like, it's almost like an energy mechanic. Like, you run out yeah. of them and you have to buy boosters to continue playing the game. And I feel like yeah. it's a very similar way that, hey, if you want to progress in the game, you would want to buy some of these plus five moves so you can continue playing like coming to like then you know like one of the things which i feel i'm not sure how well this works is asking players to make a decision before starting the match which is here are how many are there like 18 options on on your screen when before starting a match so many options yeah yeah so i feel isn't like and they have tried you know like categorizing them into like bronze silver gold and you know you can choose from a category which one you want to pick but it is a screen of hey you've decided to play a match now choose one of these 18 items before you move on and I feel that's that's a little too much or you know I understand that they need to be visible there but yeah I'm not very like happy with you know that that experience myself
0: so uh, you know what this reminds me of yeah. this. this reminds me of those mini clip games you know yeah purple right yeah. They, they have this bet bet thing right yeah like, how much would you bet on this larger the bet uh larger the reward yeah uh so maybe they, uh, they have that going for them you know larger the bet, larger the reward yeah here maybe it's not as strong but for some reason this reminds me of of that very even there you have multiple like assuming that you have as many coins You have multiple, you know, multiple rooms to get into each with their uh, increasing starting amount. I think poker, a lot of poker games also do that.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that's a good correlation between like, you know, before playing a game or a match, you are asked a question and you have to choose between options. But even in those betting games, I think the choice is still between like three or four options at max. Like, I have not seen like a 18 option, you know, like pick one of these. It just seems to be a lot more. Uh, even with the betting, I think it's just like, you know, 50, 100, 150. Like, I think it's like a very simple, linear, you know, space to choose from. And even with the tables, like, you get to choose the tables differently from getting to choose the size of the bet. So, they're not combined. Like, okay, I'll, I'll go on a high table and then you have choices of like, you know, whatever, 10,000, 50,000, 100,000. But, yeah, just like the number of choices I feel is... Uh, definitely, I would think, would cause paralysis. And, you know, I was thinking a lot about these boosters because this whole game is basically boosters and learning how to use your boosters on the Mastery board. And they're all very new and different. And I think it's very hard. Yeah, I love some
0: of those designs. Like, (laughs) Like, There's a lot of creativity in these boosters. And I really like that. They have spent time in coming up with unique boosters.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but that you know what it got me thinking. It got me thinking when players are playing match three games, and we are talking about this audience who's very casual. I think it's very hard to ever explain what a booster does because by the time you use it, you're supposed to need it. Uh, if that makes sense, like you know, for example, Project Makeover has a in-game booster which is a scissor. I'm not sure, like, because there's only one and maybe you've used it, like, you know, you understand how it works. I'm not sure how clear it is to players, you know, like, hey, I could use this booster right now. It's supposed to do something. And I think it gets super complicated when you think about games like, for example, Harry Potter. It has, like, maybe five in-game boosters and all of them have, like, this magic spell look on them and it's like impossible to tell like you know what will this do if I click on it and use it on my board so I feel like the boosters look really good as cards and you know when you have to make a decision before you go into the game I think it's almost impossible to know what they do like like contextually like you know it makes sense like a rocket and a bomb and I think those are the boosters that players know and maybe paper planes but having a duck and you know like all of these things I think it becomes very very complicated
0: i would give kudos to the team to be able to somehow pull that off right because like like we we always hear about the law of six right you you don't have more than you know six choices before before uh, before going in and that's 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 one of the numbers but i think the way in which it's introduced like the pace at which it's introduced uh, does not make it as much of a cognitive load as it could have been and maybe it's maybe it's all about the pace of uh maybe you know like after exploring uh, those initial boots for a couple of time like i think they have figured out a pace of introducing new boosters so that it does not feel overwhelming as a choice nor does it f- feel boring because of the lack of choice
1: yeah
0: right so you you like in in a game like this you always want to keep trying Trying out new things, you 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 want variety, and boosters are one of those pillars for variety. And I think maybe that's you know that's one of the things uh, this team uh, has definitely done a good job. And again, uh, they have been brave in breaking that six uh, you know uh, choice of six rule.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. I th- like if I'm looking back on like I don't know why I want to talk so much about Clash Royale on this Match Masters discussion, but it's very easy to start with. A swordsman and a archer, and like really understand immediately what they do. But the higher up you go, and the legendary characters that you get, and you know what is the difference between a stone giant and an elixir giant? Like you know, it's it's like in those details where maybe the game remains fresh and interesting, and that's what keeps these players playing as well. That you know, when somebody's using one of these, for example, the premium boosters, which make a lot of you know fun and noise when they get executed in battle. It's like yes, you you start getting used to them the more you play, and the, the careful balance of that probably is the right way to go. Yeah,
0: also again, like in any competitive environment, you would want challenges to be thrown at you, and you would want to surpass those challenges. Right? Like again, like coming back to the flow, maybe this adds to that. Like, you know, like, yes, like the game is deliberately making it a little more challenging to make a choice before going into a match, but because over time you have become a better player at choosing, like, you feel that you have, you're better at making that choice and it makes you feel good about it and it adds to that entire aspect of flow.
1: I was thinking, you know, like, I can't think of a lot of examples where a player's collection is consumable. I felt that was a very interesting choice that, you know, you kind of collect these cards out of, like, loot boxes, but you have to actually consume them to get any benefit from them. And that's like of course the core pillar of the game, coming from match puzzle games I think players will be more open to consuming boosters because they that's how they kind of you know uh, use them in the genre but it's very interesting that you get to pick one of your cards that you collected and then that gets consumed in the battle. And every battle will consume a card?
0: I don't think cards are collections. Like I think they're out-and-out boosters. They, they, it's an out-and-out consumable. Uh, I, like, maybe they have represented it as a card, which is typically like the mental model of a card is that it's it's a collection. But as a mechanic, it's an out-and-out consumable. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's what's unique about it. Having said that, I think they, they have definitely invested a lot of time in collection systems in the game.
1: Yeah, it's almost like how do we signal to players that the cards are not collection, the stickers are collection and can you collect stickers and not the cards? Like, I can tell you, like, you know, one of my behaviors is that when I get new cards, I try to at least keep one copy of them in my collection and not spend it. And that's a problem because then I will never reach the, like, you know, buy again phase. Uh, like, you only <clears throat> reach that once you kind of spend all of them. And I wonder how much of it is like, okay, let's realign players to, like, you know, your stickers are your, for like, uh, like, permanent collections and... These are not collections at all. In fact, they are, like you said, like consumables that you're using. So when it comes to collections and, you know, uh, the game has a lot of different progress trackers and uh, almost all of these progress trackers in one way or another reward you with collectibles uh, which go into different places in the game and, you know, know, you're always trying to complete your collections. Uh, What do you think is the function of that meta layer? Like this collection meta layer, which is like, completely collect stickers from playing the game
0: i think there is something to be said about collecting trophies that's the emotion that this is trying to trigger especially when these trophies are from a multiplayer experience Mm. right so largely it is largely the game is trying to satisfy the need to showcase your wins yeah right since since all of these collection systems are ultimately linked to Your overall battles—it's sort of your uh, trophy case, you know, more than a collection. Mm. And uh, I I think, in the context of a PvP game, that's that's how I would look at these systems. And just at one glance, you know how good you are. So my brother was a swimmer, and I I still remember he had this huge collection of all the trophies that he had won when he used to swim. It, It was the centerpiece of his room. Even now, when he's moved houses that centerpiece still remains like he's he's 20 he, he left uh, swimming i think when he was 16 he's 26 now and it, it's still there in his room and like that's that's something to say about like like you you value your accomplishments and i think that's the that's the emotional trigger and it it, it makes a lot of sense for a pvp game even if it's not a pvp game collection is is a is a strong motivator it takes a new meaning or let's say it enhances the uh, impact when it's uh, when this collection is being completed in a multiplayer experience
1: of course like you know the collectibles habituate players to repeat the core a lot like basically anything that you do in the meta kind of makes the repetition of the core fun and rewarding so the collections kind of help with that that You know, there's always some progress happening when you're playing matches, you're playing tournaments. At the end of the day, what does that relate to? It relates to retention and engagement, right? Like, oh, I'm just so close to completing the collection. Let me complete one more set. Or uh, I'm so close to completing... like. Or what has been my time investment in the game and I'm like, you know, I've finished all these collections. So, you know, retention and engagement seem to be like in line with that. What do you think is like, you know, the monetization uh, vector here? Like, because they do sell the collectibles in the store itself like you can buy stickers how much of this feature is around retaining players versus monetizing them as
0: a player of this game right now and this is completely based on my person as a player mm. right i was not motivated to monetize you know through through the collection and and that's 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 me i i don't know how strong a monetizing vector are these Collection systems. I think, so let, let's talk about these collection systems, right? So there are two, two collection systems. One is the sticker. You get these stickers multiple places. And um, these are more of the traditional collection stickers. Like, think uh, Coin Master Collection. It's a gacha based uh, collection system. And uh, th- this is the traditional, these systems are used in a lot of single player games as well. So that's one. Those are the ones that you can monetize i guess there is an audience for it i don't know how big it is but if let's say i am working on the game i would definitely say why not like why not try to monetize it let me put that i will, i will i would not not try to monetize them but how monetizable they are only the team will be able to tell us the other collection system which which i thought was pretty cool was the you know the your tournament cups and that's another uh, that's another aspect of Match Masters, which is the eight player tournaments that they have, right? Mm. And so there are multiple cups, I think, and and they keep uh, they keep adding different types of cups. And you know when you when you win this tournament, you get that cup, and that is a purely that's that's your trophy. You know that's the that's the trophy room my brother had. So this is a pure multiplayer collection, I would say indirectly that would be the more powerful indirect monetizer. I would monetize in the game, in the boosters, so that I can get this trophy. You can't pay for this trophy and I would say that would be the larger monetizer here.
1: Yeah, that makes sense, I think. I guess with every PvP game, there comes like, you know, what about the events and how players partake in them the game has a bunch of different events
0: on face it it feels like a lot of events but if you see their structure nicely and i think they have borrowed this idea definitely from coin master you know the, this game has is influenced by you know by a lot of you talk about uh, clash royale but i would say a lot of this game's influence comes from coin master mm. uh, and if you think about it coin master is also a a social game mm. which has collection systems it's a it's a luck based game mm. uh, this uh, this is obviously a, a lot more skill based uh, experience but i think it borrows a lot from coin master mm. and i think uh, i believe coin master would have been a big influence for them when you look at the events they they have the you know they have the traditional it's not a battle pass but it's it's like you gain points and you get rewards
1: yeah
0: uh, but what they've done is that to keep things fresh at least visually they keep changing the theme so right now i have the color circus uh, theme like th- there will be some space theme and some, mm-hmm. uh, They they keep changing the theme of this event what they do well in terms of their not their events basically but the offers Right. I think there are a lot of innovative offers that they have. For example, currently they have a Houston, we have a sale offer, which, which, which I thought was extremely interesting. So it's a series of IP purchases. So the first one is free. The second one costs $1. After you buy the second one, the third one is again free. You get a reward. And only then do you get access to the fourth one, uh, which is an IP pack. And then the fifth one is again a free reward.
1: Yeah. So you
0: feel like you need to finish this entire thing. And they try a lot in uh, innovating in these offers. What is the potential of this game? I, I guess only time will tell. But if you think about it, it was a great bet to make. We know, you know, Coin Master works. We know casual, you know, Match 3 has a big audience. We also know that the target audience of Coin Master and of Match 3 has a lot of overlap, right? So as a bet, it would have been pretty good bet to make
1: hmm.
0: like at the end of the day you can never ever say with certainty if something work or not but i would say it was a great bet like it's, it's it's a great bet that they have made and like i started with saying that this team is brave and uh, you know I, I i stand by it like they have made a lot of bets you know they've improved upon it over over the years from my understanding it's still growing as a game only time will tell to what extent it can go